0: Hello, hello, hello guys, welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast, this is Adit Kripadia and I welcome you back to another very eventful week of discussions, debates and so forth and with me I have uh, the perfect um, sort of compadre for these discussions, I got author, columnist, host of the podcast, may, uh, may I have your attention please, Arnab Ray. Hello. Uh, hi Arnab, how are you? Uh, I I'm doing good. Yes, and, 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 and I also have to add one of our Mind Podcast favorite guests. Whenever you've been on, I've got some very lovely feedback for uh, the discussions we've had. Okay. So, back on Mind Podcast. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So, I, I, have to, uh, I have to ask you first, have you been keeping up with the IPL? Mm-hmm.
1: I have been, yes. I have been, I have been following the IPL. Unfortunately, it happens very early in the morning for me in the time zone that I am in here. So sometimes I don't follow it fully. What happens is I kind of, if it's a weekend, I kind of wake up half sleepy, watch a little bit on my phone and then fall asleep. (laughs) That's, that's, and then I might wake up, watch another 15 minutes and
0: fall asleep again. So it's somewhat like that. Ah, no, I, I I I agree with you. My situation is very similar to that as well. Um, although my time zone is not as challenging as yours is, but it it is interestingly challenging because um, whenever you have the double headers, it's almost impossible to watch the first one. Have not, there haven't been any double-headers this this. No, yeah, year. but I think it's coming up after next week. I, I, I think they decided to uh, feel sympathetic towards the plight of the players and decided that playing them in 40 degrees Celsius weather in the afternoon was not a very <laughs> good idea. <laughs> but, but but, I had to ask them. I was like, yeah, uh, agar, if you guys are thinking about that in Dubai and Sharjah, you guys then make them play in Kolkata, Chennai in April and May at 4 o'clock. I don't see how that is any better than that. I think, I, I think the main thing there is the dryness of the,
1: of the weather. I think more, I, I, I don't know how much they're sweating. I mean, Chennai, they'll possibly sweat it out, but the dry, I, I, I don't know how it is in UAE, but it somehow feels that, you know, being close to a desert will somehow make this, because those are artificially created, you know, those cities aren't actual cities, right? They've been made out of the desert. Mm-hmm. So I, I presume that it's a little different somehow uh, that heat than playing in Chennai, for instance, or Calcutta, for that matter.
0: I think uh, Sachin also tweeted another thing that you as dive around all you want, but don't forget that it's sand below the grass. <laughs> so be very careful, you know, <laughs> when you're doing that. <laughs> But, you know, having, having said that, we uh, just to give our guys, our listeners, a brief overview of the podcast, we, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the IPL, about cricket, about the whole Sunil Gavaskar Anushka Sharma controversy that happened. We'll talk a little bit about, um, um, you know, the current situations, the current news that's going on, a little bit about US elections, and then we'll wrap up with uh, current news thing. But uh, hopefully, when you guys are uh, listening to this on, uh, uh, wherever you are, uh, hopefully Twitter hasn't banned me again so i don't know it was it was a weird last week so i have to apologize to all my listeners that we didn't come sunday but there was some strange thing when twitter just restricted me in the middle of the week and uh, our schedule went up for a toss we we're just making sure happened. Was some sort of a weird um restriction went wrong, like some algorithm issue, some technical glitch, but it took them a long time to restore the accounts. And after they said, they didn't really restore all the accounts. But one thing I have to ask you, Arnabu, this is like the second or third time something like this. happened. Mm-hmm. You had the passwords being hacked on Twitter, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are these some serious questions being uh, raised about the security uh, apparatus, or what is happening behind the scenes on these social media platforms?
1: So, with respect to the Twitter hack, I felt that was a, that was a matter of great concern. And at least my my takeaway from from the whole incident was that Twitter never actually told us what happened because their public pronouncements just don't make sense from a security perspective. They were just, and I, there were just too many things that they didn't say. Oh. For instance, that, you know, mass mass setting and resetting of passwords have to happen through a privileged account. Okay. So that, that is a given. Oh. So privileged account, the access to a privileged account is normally not allowed from outside the Twitter network. You can't even get to that interface. So. Saying that their admins uh, credentials were fished, yeah. that just, just didn't make any sense right. because even if they were fished somehow, and I would presume that the admins are two factored also, so how many things did they fish? Did they also steal their phone? so even if we leave that to the side, how did they even physically get access to the interface from outside the Twitter network
0: right.
1: so that, that they never answered. So for me, my suspicion was that it was somebody inside Twitter who did that, who was on the network. Yes, that makes total sense. But then they should have come out and said it. when they did an investigation initially, I forgot which, which media organization it was. They said that it was compromised by somebody
0: inside Twitter, right. and that totally made sense yeah but but the real question is you know how how was it done and what happened and that that is what and, and and that's what scares me i mean it's fine a lot of accounts were restricted and stuff and they came back and if it was a technical glitch then explain what it was the whole arbitrary nature of this scares me that you know what is next like they're just going to randomly suspect because there were some accounts that were suspended for a few times and you're like what the hell is going on people you know well, so, so this is again, so
1: again, we have the, I mean, ultimately it comes down to the fact that Twitter, Facebook, these have become like nations onto themselves, right? So it, 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 again, we kind of say, Oh, they're private companies so that they can do so they can do basically do whatever they want. It's their platform. You're basically sitting in their house so they have, they can do whatever they want
0: hmm.
1: ultimately. And that's true. I mean,
0: Theoretically, that's
1: precisely what they can do. But as we progress, I'm pretty sure that the digital rights of an individual are going to be a matter of concern. This is going to be something like freedom of speech that you have the right to be heard online. And how that will be mediated, whether you'll have legal rights to protect your speech on public platforms, or I would say private platforms, otherwise you want to have a sarkari twitter which obviously none of us want but how that would work where twitter and facebook would be given the author of let's say the status of being kind of a, like a public utility hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, so public utilities in the us have regulations on them right um, so they can't really nearly go and, cut the, and and go and uh, disconnect your uh, electric line
0: because those are considered to be essential services. Right, so ultimately, yeah, the whole debate of privacy, essential services and the rights of an individual, that's where the, the new sort of debate is going to take place. And, and and that's what I wanted to talk about, friends, on this issue. It was not me being like a pompous ass talking, national issue, but it's something that's happened globally and it sort of concerned me that if this starts happening arbitrarily, what sort of, uh, situation we're heading into you know especially this being an election here in america it, it is it is quite dangerous when that happens so um, right and 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 that has been that has been a sore point with republicans
1: as well as democrats right with respect to so republicans uh, uh, think that or say that the facebook is on the side of the democrats the democrats say the other thing and it just goes to show that business, I mean, Facebook is, so the basic controversy came from the fact that Facebook said that if they saw that a political ad, which basically somebody had paid for, was peddling quote unquote fake news, then they would still run it.
0: Mm, exactly. Um, <laughs> so that
1: was when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had that deposition and said, if I said, and again, the, the point that of course she willingly did not understand was what Mark Zuckerberg was, was saying that. If somebody says that we have a cure for COVID, they're not going to run it. Right? Okay. They're not going to run it. But if they say that you know Hunter Biden is uh, is a stooge for the Russians, then they
0: will, because there's a difference between the two. Mm. And 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 I think both the sides of the political divide refuse to find the difference between the two if it suits them, right?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Because for everybody else, anything that is inimical to their conception of truth is fake news. Right. And that's So if, 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 if it's something which I don't believe in, it's fake news, even though it may there are other shades of gray that that might be an allegation that might be an innuendo. There are lots of other There are lots of other figures of speech. So and so, but it's not all and scientifically unprovable fact like the fact that there is no cure for COVID that we can all agree is fake
0: news. Yes, indeed, so, the, the, such, such, is the, such is our world that we are, we are finding consensus to agree on some, whether something is fake news or not.
1: Yes, whether something is mathematically provable that it is fake. So until unless it's that, unless you can actually create a propositional logic system by which you can show hence not true, <laughs> <laughs> that is the only thing you
0: can conclusively say is fake news. Uh, hence not true, hence not true is also getting into that very Babu, dumb, babu language, you know, but if so ever, whomsoever, <laughs> you know that, all that. But uh, you, uh, moving from the very serious topic of that to the very two non-serious topics that I wanted to do. So uh, Arnab is as much of a cricket lover as I am. Uh, listeners of the podcast will know that i you know uh, i absolutely love and i think uh, that and if you are a fan of good cricket it's n- impossible for you not to be a fan of ipl yes there is a whole ipl test cricket debate or something but still ultimately we have to all come to the conclusion that if you want to take take cricket to a global standard where football is or you know basketball is you have to you have to start with t20 in the countries where test cricket is not played and and something like an IPL probably does that great. So did you watch the match today uh, between Rajasthan and Kings Eleven? I mean I watched you... that I, I, I watched the I watched the Rahul Tewatia
1: part of it. that, that was the part
0: that... of the match. I mean, I I couldn't I, I could not believe what was what is going on. Like what was going on? You know, Tewatia was a villain for the last, I would say. Um, few uh, <laughs> few minutes of the end, uh, first few uh, first what 10 15 overs when he was playing and then in two overs he completely turned it around they needed 51 of 18 balls and they smashed eight sixes of the next nine right
1: and, and again this this goes to the point that ipl uh, the way i look at it there are three distinct flavors of cricket huh. this test cricket is one day cricket and t20 cricket They're, they they might share the same rules but they're totally different paradigms. Um, I read somewhere that Pat Cummins was bowling a test match length to Johnny Bairstow. That's how he got his wicket. Because that's exactly how he got his wicket in the one-day international. It was an identical. Johnny Bairstow has a weakness with a rising ball close to his chest on the off stump. I don't know if you've seen the video, but one person compiled the two dismissals two weeks apart. And they're exactly the same. Wow. One was in the one-day series between Australia and England and one was the KKR game. Huh. Uh, Pat Cummins bowled him the exact same ball and he made the exact same mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, again, so this, 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 this nuance that there are different lengths for T20. And, you know, you have a person like Rahul Tewatia, who I would say is a very moderate talent hmm.
0: in, in every sense of the term. Yeah, he's, he's, but, he's like the Rajat Bhatia, Mark Elam, sort of Gavin Larson. Yes. world. Yes, so the, the thing about
1: T20 is that it gives a space for people who, whose skills won't stand up, forget test match, but won't stand up for 50 hours. That's a fantastic. But <laughs> but on a very limited, on a very limited scale, uh, they can do it. So they can't, so if you give them 10 balls, they can do it, but they can't do it for 60 balls. They just can't do it and forget a test match. So. There are a lot of people who we never heard of before, before IPL came along or before T20 came along because these people were relegated to playing first class cricket forever and then they basically vanished because their skills were never at that level. And it's not a question of better or worse. One could argue argue that this skill actually enables them to make more money than let's say a test match skill. And, uh, and, and and our current one-drop batsman would possibly agree. L- let's, uh, let's- In test. Ah, Absolutely, Pujara indeed. <laughs> in, in test matches, because I'm pretty sure that if he was given a choice, he would prefer to be Tevatiya than ah. what he is. Though even though we might say, oh my goodness, that's, why would anybody want to do that? But purely because of the money, I'm pretty sure Tevatiya, if he continues in this vein, next season, he will be bought by Mumbai Indians. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Krunal Reliance will, Reliance will just acquire him. <laughs> but he has
0: nothing. Reliance will
1: acquire him, and and the way Krunal Pandya is playing, Krunal Pandya will be playing Rumal Chod in the Ambani building after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Tewati will be playing in his. Room. Ah, for people who don't know why Arnab gave this example, please go and watch the Netflix Mumbai Indians documentary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and pardon us giggling away because that is exactly
1: what it was um, them it, it was hilarious for those of you who haven't seen the netflix it's it's unintentional hilarity at its best i mean my favorite the my favorite part of that uh, that documentary by the way yeah, this is when nita ambedi comes and uh, kyron pollard has been dropped and he's relegated to like taking drinks <laughs> <laughs> Neeta Ambani stands right in, like, in front of him says, look at how great this man is. He's like bringing drinks for all of you guys. So it's a great player. <laughs> See his
0: face man. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> Unbelievable. I think if this wasn't being filmed and it wasn't Neeta Ambani, he would have dropped all the bottles of uh, glass just, just to spite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah he, would
0: have, he would have charged with his bat. <laughs> like you did and and my favorite part is in my favorite part is that part where um, uh, the um, one of the amount is having a, a very sort of uh, emotional outburst in the elevator and uh, he just keeps on going and then i think Nita Ambani either tells him in gujarati or something that the camera is on please calm down <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't know if it was Gujarati or something, but in my head, I'm like, that is exactly how a Gujarati mom would react. She's he, trying nicely in English, or who doesn't You pull out the Gujarati talwar and say, shut up, you kid, the camera is on. Don't look like an idiot. <laughs> so uh, that was very, very interesting. But no, uh, if you guys want to watch a good cricket behind the scenes documentary, watch the one on Australia's test cricket on Amazon Prime. That is fantastic. Watch I haven't it. seen that yet. Oh, you must watch Personally. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our, 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 love for Australia uh, aside, you know, we, we, are in a generation who grew up hating every bit of Australia. So, uh, uh-huh. for us, it's very difficult to appreciate Australian cricket team. But given how they were in, you know, with Steve's come back pretty, pretty strongly. So, um. Uh, so that's, that's what it is about. But bringing a little bit back to the IPL, you, uh-huh. this is very interesting because the spin coach for Rajasthan uh, Royals is Sairaj Bahutule. Now you and I would know Sairaj Bahutule was a sort of a spin legend for Mumbai in 14, 15, 90 trophy seasons but had very fun... Uh-huh for india in, um, in, in 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 test match cricket and he joined the glorious list of him nilesh kulkarni paras mambre yes. tari ranadev bose i mean you know the list is long right so but he was if all of these people if there was an ipl in the 90s they would all be straight fits into uh, one of the franchises because ultimately exactly you, mass producing exactly mumbai. as i was saying these people these people couldn't have like the rahul sanghis
1: of the world. I think rahul sanghis associated with mumbai indians Uh-huh, yes indeed so I, and so, my
0: my my favorite, my favorite story about all this is in 2001 uh, uh, the famous india australia test series if you remember kumble was injured right so harbajan mm-hmm. was the chief wicket uh, taker but in every match, the second spinner was another guy. So it was Rahul in Mumbai, Venkatapati Rajupati uh-huh. and Nilesh Kulkarni in Chennai. Yes. Between all three, they took four wickets in the whole test series. Uh-huh. So that's... <laughs> And the, all of them were taking a lot of domestic wickets, but that's sort of the situation. Uh, and, and and of course we had, we were going through wicket keepers also on a daily basis where you had Samir dige Vijay Dahiya, Ajay Ratra, Nayan Mungia all competing for, for, yes. for who looks the silliest today. So it's, it's But all of them would have had a, uh, a sort of a uh, role if there was an IPL, something like that to be played. So in that way, it is important. That's- but Absolutely, who, I can think of
1: so many like Amay Kuresia and all these uh, I think Atul Bedade would have been like, uh, would have been a millionaire many times over if, uh-huh. if he played in the right
0: generation. And, and he did play for the same uh, same state team as Hardik Pandya did. Both him and Hardik Pandya are Baroda boys. So... Uh-huh. so exactly, so.
1: But I want to come to... Poor this. guy missed out, poor guy missed out. There was another guy who I felt... Uh, would have been great for T20 is a guy called Raman Lamba.
0: Are yes. The tragic uh, uh, death.
1: Yes, of... he died in Bangladesh while playing. Uh, he was fielding at forward short leg. Got hit on the head and died. But um, the thing is that he had he had a very strange technique mm. for Test matches and One days. But he was he used to score quite fast for those days. Another guy who used to score quite fast for those days, but he could not take it up a notch was Ajay
0: Sharma. Uh, i was literally about to say ajay sharma was another one yeah, both from delhi uh, uh, Raman Lama and uh-huh. sharma and um, so there there were two two positions i think there were perennially open till the late 2000s one was sachin tendulkar's opening partner and the other was anil kumble's spin partner
1: and <coughs> and there was a wicket keeper we we i mean but still unfortunate it's, it's, it was... and dhoni came at the same time but ah. the wicket keeper slot was always open
0: ah, and I think it changed in 2002 to 2004 where you had just Parthiv Patel and Dinesh Karthik sort of competing for it but then Dhoni came and cemented but I think after 2002 that England tour where uh, Ajay Ratra was dropped and Patel was picked up I think that's when it changed and ah. there was Deep Das Gupta also who scored a century ah, that in India true. of course ah, that is true, trust, trust Arnab to always remember the Bengalis who did well yes I mean, I know the irony of there me are not about, many, there are not many Adits, so it's easy to remember. No Arnab, I, I understand the irony of me pointing out my fellow Amdavadi Parthiv Patel and then you pointing out Deep Das Gupta in the same <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> so, um, so there's that. But before we get to the Sunil Gavaskar thing, one thing I have to ask you, are we coming to a point now where there are legitimate questions being raised about Virat Kohli's captain's
1: i i think i think these are legit yeah, i i think there is i mean the thing with my opinion my personal opinion of kohli is of course that he's a great batsman i love to watch him bat but in terms of a captain and, and i'm not just talking about the strategic uh, the, the strategy part of it just the personality needed in order to lead this is not just in cricket it's in corporate in the corporate world any place you need to be a certain kind of person to be able to lead. Otherwise, you're an excellent individual contributor. Mm. But then there needs to be. There's a difference between an in, a good individual contributor and even a mediocre leader. And Virat Kohli just doesn't cut it in terms of. I mean, the problem with him is very evident mm. now that he's been captain for some time. Is, he's extremely intolerant of anybody who has a different idea of what should be done. That's why he always, that's why he prefers somebody like Ravi Shastri. Um, (laughs) So so Ravi Shastri again, he took out Anil Kumble. he he took out Rahul Dravid, he took out Zahid Khan, um, people who had the stature to stand up to him. Um, And he replaced it with, he replaced it with essentially a, a stooge. I mean, Ravi Shastri has always been a stooge for the BCCI, then for he's very smart he knows which way the bread is buttered mm, yeah. so I mean I don't blame him mm. but he's he's that kind of a guy he's this typical Indian
0: politician who wants yes men around him yeah and, and, and gavaskar is uh, iter- the eternal opposite he'll always give it back
1: yes Gavaskar will possibly again gavaskar is not even in the running for being a coach but uh, <laughs> you know he prefers
0: that and even, yeah, with even the whole with, even with uh, ah sorry go on no, no. go on no, 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 I, I was saying so the commentary, Gavaskar is never going to follow uh, the line told by anyone. He's just going to speak his mind.
1: Yes, yes, that's that's true. I, I also feel that, I mean, that there's also that, let's, let's be honest, there's also this uh, Mumbai versus the rest. I think Gavaskar and many of the old Mumbai first-class cricket fraternity have an inherent suspicion of anybody who's not outside Mumbai. So... <laughs> Um if this was Rohit Sharma, I don't think uh, Gavaskar would have said this. So let me draw the line here because there, there is a difference in the yeah. way those guys, people of that generation perceive Mumbai and non-Mumbai cricketers. Oh, oh.
0: That is true. And, and we'll talk about the Gavaskar point uh, uh, in, the, I want to talk about it, but I want to focus back a little bit on the Virat Kohli thing. That Ironically, him losing, having such a crushing defeat against a team coached by Anil Kumble, it, it, that was a message, wasn't it? Yes, it
1: was. It was a message. I mean, the message he sent to BCCI was that look, I am. I, I don't know if you guys. If I don't know if you personally see this Amazon Prime series
0: called The Boys. Have you seen it? The Boys. Yes. Oh, I have. Uh, I, I'm actually. I just finished the last episode a few hours ago. <laughs>
1: Okay, so, you know, again, I don't know how, how you read, how your listeners are aware of boys, but in boys, the main thing is that the that the superheroes, the seven, um, they can exert control over their holding organization because they are the visible faces of the organization. So whatever they want, they get. So Virat Kohli's influence on the board of cricket control has been, I would say pernicious in the sense that of all the captains and. Most, I mean, Even Dhoni has done this, but not to the extent that Virat Kohli does. It's that look. I am your number one moneymaker. I am your number one batsman. So whatever I want, I will get. I don't care how you get it done. You need to do it. So that, and again, the BCCI hasn't had the spine to stand up to him. And again, I'll say his leadership qualities. It's and i would written about this a long time ago that what is Virat Kohli so pissed off about who exactly is he struggling against? Like the world is at his feet. Uh, he is rich beyond his dreams. He uh, is genuinely a great cricketer. So who is, I mean, I understand, you know, uh, you know, that who was that wicket keeper that West Indian wicket keeper who pointed to his shirt to Viv Richard say
0: you now that I get, but not Virat Kohli but I, I i agree with you i think the biggest problem is not even, when we've been following cricket when sachin was around right and it was possible to completely bash sachin in in whatever platform you wanted by question i mean iran ian Chapel asked for it, that sachin should retire at the, you know in his prime i don't think we'll ever find a piece like that written about virat kohli i think it was somewhat true about dhoni also i mean dhoni oh, no i didn't think dhoni very well with Dhoni, it started, right? We, I mean, you, you had two extremes. You had one extreme with Ganguly and Chapel, where the coach was favored over the uh, captain. Like the captain was kicked out. And then you had Kohli and Kumble where you had Kumble sort of being kicked out. Both Chapel and Kumble legends and both opposite reactions by the BCCI. The unfortunate part is the truth in both cases was somewhere in the middle. And that is sort of the difference. Yes, the attitude of absolutely. The from 2005 to 2018. So, so that, that sort of is the. I way.
1: absolutely agree. Yes, the BCCI has definitely so yes. So and and I think the only thing that has happened in the middle that is IPL. I mean that's the only big objective change between Chapel and between Kumble. IPL started
0: between them. IPL started, yes. But hopefully IPL gives uh, Kumble a chance to uh, give his point, and he's built a good squad with Punjab. So who knows what's going to happen now? <laughs> no, no. Of course, of course, Kumble gave it back to Kokoli in the last game. Yeah, and I think he's going to raring to go back again. But, um, you know, moving on to the whole Sunny Gavaskar, Anushka Sharma controversy, uh, I'm not going to go into every single detail of it because there are clips floating out there. And it is amply clear that Sunil Gavaskar, I don't think he may have made a nonchalant reaction, uh, comment, and I'm not saying that I'm not defending him, nor am I defending what Anushka said, but the reaction was a little uh, uh, over the top from Anushka Sharma. Right. And uh, so, what What did you make of that? Like, what it was, he, it was, the comment was unnecessary. Probably he didn't even need to bring that up. Right. The question is, but I don't think he brought it up with that intent. At least the clip I saw didn't make that clear. I mean, you know, it was quite clear from that. It was not controversial. And the translation of the clip was mischievous. And these idiots who reacted on Twitter reacted based on one tweet. That was the sh- most shocking part. So, what is your take on that? So again, I will be less ambivalent
1: than you. And I think the Gavaskar was absolutely in his right to say what he said, um, not what was implied that he said. There was zero sexual oh, innuendo in what Gavaskar said. Um, and second and second was that he was referring to a publicly available video exactly. made of Kohli and Anushka Sharma of them playing cricket on their terrace. Absolutely. And I think he was making- he was he was, making he was not game. speculating. He was yeah. not saying, oh, they must have been playing cricket. He didn't say that. He yeah. pointedly pointed to the video and there is something else which I want to mention on this, that this is significant. And You can say, well, why would Gavaskar even talk about this? Well, the point that he's trying to make mm. is no dissimilar than what Boycott used to say is that even my mom could, you know, hate yeah. this guy for a six. Absolutely. Nobody oh. at that point of time said this was sexist against boycott's mom. And in in boycott's case, he was talking in a hypothetical. Mm. But this is the point that this is basically the same. Nobody said that boycott has no business saying this in this commentary. This is exactly a variation of that. It's no different from that. Now, in this case, there's also another subtext to it. And this I discussed in my podcast is that, and this is something which Sunil would would know. And a lot of us won't, is that one of the ways in which people who are not confident of their batting form kind of bring that confidence up is to face weak bowlers in the nets. Mm. So not just weak bowlers, but bowlers are basically asked to tone it down when bowling to the superstar batsman. Correct. And the biggest example of this is i don't know if you have ever read this interview
0: this guy took of patrick patterson i did um i i, I forget the name but he was, he was from australia and i think he went there um uh, he's, he's an indian guy who, who indian went and indian found guy. where patrick Ha ah, ha I I forget. Gaurav Kapoor did a podcast with him not too long ago, and he also wrote the autobiography of Dhoni. I'll look up the name of that guy. But make the point you were making. I'll look it and look it up while you are making. The yes. Point.
1: So so what he said was what Patrick Patterson said was that, according to him, again this is his perspective of things, but he did say this that one of the reasons he felt that he never played. Mm-hmm. as much cricket as he should have played was because once in nets he was bowling to vivian richards and he just like basically peppered vivian richards with bouncers and vivian richards basically couldn't touch uh, his bowling and that vivian richards got very mad at him because of that fascinating so this so this this is a common thing among star batsmen that they deliberately and there is there might be a good logic for this because one of the things that let's say if you're Virat Kohli, Hmm. you know that you're a very good bachelor. I don't think that there is any, no matter how people might appear to be humble and Virat Kohli is anything but humble, but you have a good knowledge of your own self-worth, right? All of us have whether we say it or not is a different thing. However, with, with now you have that confidence. So you're starting with that confidence. Now, when you go out and you're in a match condition, you want to have that confidence to take those margin calls. Am I going to dance down the track and hit it? Now, if before that you have been playing in the nets and you've been unable to connect, you are just not going to have that confidence anymore. This is going to be something which will pull you back and that will make you even worse. It's not that you lack the ability, we all know that he has the ability. He's not even old. That, you know, his, like Dhoni, that his basic his basic reaction time and all of these are, you know, basically going bad. That's why Dhoni can't do it. He's not at that stage. He might be in a bad rut. He might be in bad form, whatever it is. But that's why they don't want to do hard bowling practice. They don't want really people going out at full strength against them. And that's really what Sunil Gavaskar was trying to say, that maybe he shouldn't have done that. Maybe he should have had Played against higher quality opposition before coming into this game, hmm. Hmm. which I'm guessing he knows that he hasn't done. So I'm guessing this is a very—he's not saying this without knowing. I mean, he knows these things, and he's—you know—he's played cricket enough to can he can kind of decipher. I remember once I talked to one of my friends who's a professional playback singer,
0: hmm. and I asked
1: her that you know I've noticed something when Sonu Nigam, the moment he's asked to sing he sings immediately in tune, but, but I saw some, I think it was Kumar Shanu who I love and he was asked to sing and he went off key from the first. So why is that? And so she said that the reason is simple. Sonu Nigam is somebody who's known to always practice. He is always like practices so much every day. So he is always ready to go and not all singers do that they only practice before a big tour or before they have like some kind of recording session. Kumar Kumarshan, since he doesn't record all that often nowadays, it's possibly that he doesn't do Riyaz that often. Hmm. Hmm. So it's just a function. And I went to the concert and I heard him sing. He was perfect. So he
0: had practiced before that. So he was in the zone. Uh, so, no, and, and that's, that's exactly, but you have a Mangeshkar sisters, right? Asha Buzhle, Lada, Mangeshkar. They will not they don't have recorded they have not recorded songs in a while. But even when you hear them sing snippets on TV, they are always in surf, even at the age of eighty-five, because it's the riyas right? Or the person who passed away very tragically two days ago, SP Balsumravanyam. I mean at the 74 he sounded the exact same as he did at fifty-four. You know, or forty-four. It's unbelievable. Right little bit about that at the end, but but coming back to this whole Gavaskar thing, you're 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 right that Virat Kohli and right now I guess uh, I'll probably be slammed on Twitter for act is that Rahul Tevati has a better record against Sheldon Cottrell than Virat Kohli right now.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah. so again, again, I put again. There is unfortunately this is a concomitant of T20 because
0: yeah. there is no this. They're not in the same universe, but. Uh, but my point is that Virat Kohli, we have known that Virat Kohli does struggle against short left-arm, you know, left-arm seamers. And tomorrow, I think tomorrow is going to be the th- thing. The one thing with Virat Kohli is he's, he has the most the most amazing hand-eye coordination ever. You know, since probably Virendra Sehwag in the Indian team. But Virendra Sehwag doesn't, didn't have the same footwork as Virat Kohli does. Uh, and if he works on his game tomorrow against Trent, Bolt and Co, we should see a very different Kohli. If he doesn't, like it's going to be very, very difficult. And this is going to be, this is, I think the first big break that he has taken in a long time. And I remember, if you remember, Arnab, when Sachin Tendulkar came back from the tennis elbow, even he struggled uh, for five months. Right and um first of all the india I didn't even know what a tennis elbow was i think when sachin got these are harsha bogule's fa- very famous words that when, when sachin tendulkar got it a um, billion indians became experts on tennis elbow so
1: yeah I, I wondered how i mean how did how did sachin tendulkar get a tennis elbow when he doesn't play tennis <laughs> exactly <laughs> Should cricket elbow. Uh, i think it's a little different when you come back from injury because you know with you know, when a cricketer at that level plays, a semi-sportsman, his body is like, a, is like a Swiss watch. Like all the gears work in perfect unition and, and you, know, you take these split-second decisions. And then when something isn't quite right or something is recovering, I think something in that whole machine kind of gets off. It kind of gets out of phase. Like piano, it needs to be tuned. Hmm. Kohli didn't have an injury se. I think this has just been that four or five months, he's basically done nothing. And he's coming off, he hasn't had proper nets, he hasn't had proper match factors, and he's being put into these situations where, on top of being a batsman, he's also the captain. So he has his whole concentration, his mind space is also occupied by his captaincy things, as well as the other things that go around with an IPL, um, the sponsor engagements, and everything. So the batting part. When everything is flowing, he doesn't need to think about it. But he should have expended a little bit more time on this and that was the only point that Gavaskar
0: was trying to say. Mm. And I think that 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 really, that is the key. You know, that is that, that exactly is what he was going to say. And ultimately, uh, uh, that, that should settle the debate. Anushka's reaction, and you know, I even say that maybe Anushka's reaction was based on the tweet, but I don't understand people like Navika Kumar and all going boycott Gavaskar. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs>
1: Navika Kumar, Kumar, Arnav Goswami, all these people, they have no opinions of their own. They reflect what they believe will get them hashtags and what will get them viewership. If you ask them personally what they think, they might say, I don't even know what cricket is or who cares. They don't. These two channels, everything they do, everything they do is determined by, by what people want. There is. They have no adherence to even their own opinion.
0: Truth to chordo. No, I think my, my thing is that the and, and the most interesting part of this all is that what people wanted was actually more people sided on the side of Gavaskar, but all these Barkhas and Navikas and all they jumped on jumped the gun and started bashing the sort of. Um, uh, no, Barkha is fine. Barkha makes sense. He no, has no. to take that angle. No, my, but my, my, Navika. No, but I'm saying even Barkha jumped, and then someone asked her, "Have you seen the video?" And she's like, "No, but I'll see it." So I was like, "What is this ridiculous no, assumption?" But that because she acted the way on Instagram, she must be right.
1: <laughs> see, this is a case where Navika gets it gets gets it wrong, because this is this is wrong. Not I'm saying that this is not what Navika believes or not, because I honestly don't know what she believes, and honestly, I don't even care. But uh, but the point is that if she had done her research right given the kind of organization that times now has morphed into or rather what it always has been she would have realized that the right-wing audience that is her main support base they don't like anushka sharma because of the stuff she produces on netflix okay so it doesn't make any sense to go in her favor but she did nonetheless because she read it wrong that's why that, I mean, That's one of the reasons why I believe, again, I'm, I'm a cynic in this. I don't think that people in this day and age, they form opinions based on the merit of the situation. It's like, do I like Anushka Sharma more or do I like Sunil Gavaskar more? Since I definitely hate
0: Anushka Sharma, I'm going to support Sunil Gavaskar. <sighs> Strange world we live in. Uh, but, you know. But, but who knows, you know, what, what what might go. But but that 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 is the essence of this debate. So moving on in the last part of the podcast, uh, since uh, we both are on uh, in North America, in the UN, United States, I cannot have a podcast with Arnab uh, in the last six weeks before US election and ask him, where, where do you see it going? And I'm not telling you to make any predictions, but where do you see the campaign going? And what is your take on it?
1: So again, this has been a very, very low key presidential campaign for obvious reasons. And I'll make a prediction. I don't think that Trump is going to win for various reasons. One is the data overwhelmingly says that he's not. Hmm. Uh, But, you know, data is data. After all, these are all predictive data. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. So that's all there. But the fact that there is, uh, so second thing is that um, as long as COVID-19 remains. This is an advantage, and Trump has realized that for a long time, that when situation is normal, that's when it helps the incumbent. When it's not, it helps the opposition. So since he will not be able to normalize situation by November in any shape or form, he is going to, he's going to get that negative effect. The third thing is that since there are not going to be any debates, any live debates of that form, at least not the number of debates that there used to be. Trump is going to lose his, there are three his the only place where he's und- undoubtedly very good in, which is to have a physical, you know, in each other's space kind of, you know, monkey match with, for, you know, who's the alpha male. And that's the only thing which he's actually very good at. And with Biden, given that he's prone to, I mean, he's not all there. I think you can all say that. That is perhaps where Trump might have had an advantage, but even that's not going to be happening. So I think most of the, most of the uh, wind in Trump's balloon has been taken out at this point of time.
0: Fascinating. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think uh, uh, the, 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 there are a few swing states like Pennsylvania and Florida, especially. Where Trump just is not being able to come close. And that's what I see when people say that Indian Americans uh, make a difference and stuff. Indian Americans can make a difference if the state is a 1% state. And if in that you have 150-200 thousand Indian Americans going. But if Biden is maintaining a 3-4% lead then it doesn't matter if there is a split in the Indian American vote. It just won't matter where they vote. It will go to Biden. And so that is the key. And right now the way it seems like it uh, Biden is at least slated to get have a considerable lead in Michigan, um, uh, Wisconsin, and Florida. And if that four happens, that is the election. I mean, the other other places don't even matter because Trump might get some reversals here and there in Minnesota or something, but it just won't be enough. So
1: I'm not a big I'm not a big uh, like I don't really care what Indian Americans do, but, <laughs> but I because I think that Indian Americans are. A, Indian Americans are a marginal, are a very marginal uh, constituency. They are, and Indian Americans in general, they're divided into two, let's say two broad classes. One are Indian Americans who are first generation, that is they came over from India, got their citizenship, and they run businesses. They're all Republicans. But that's a very small, that's a very small minority, given the other group, which is their kids. now their kids who are born in america you know they don't give up. and they have nothing for india so the main thing is a republican candidate is usually more pro india yeah. while uh, a democrat candidate is more pro-, pro indians in america so they are more pro for american indians so there, are Indi- um, there, are, aren't. Huh,
0: there are indian americans and there are hindu americans and that is the difference yeah. right so even for hindu americans even for let's say even
1: if you have uh, a second-generation Hindu, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, unless you're a Christian, the Republican Party, which is essentially a party of white Christians, they are willing to admit anybody else from any other color as long as they embrace Christianity um, in some shape or form. So, unless you do that, you have no, you have no political future with the
0: Republicans.
1: Yes. The Democrats aren't like that. As long as you don't wear your Hinduism on your
0: sleeve, they're okay with it. So, and, and that's that's the most interesting part, right? I, I always say that someone like a Tulsi Gabbard, I have a lot of uh, respect for her and I agree with her on a lot of things. And I don't think the Democrats or the far left of the Democratic Party have treated her right. But you have to ask the question, would a Tulsi Gabbard even be a congressional nominee if she was a Hindu running on a Republican ticket? i'm not so sure and for people who are telling me they actually give me names of a few hindus running on republican tickets um they, i am talking about the i'm talking about very vulnerable uh, let's just i mean i'll take the example of the i don't vote in america i vote in india but the place where i live uh, there is a uh, there is a contest going on between um, a Republican and a Democratic nominee who's uh, half Indian, right? Sri Prasen Kulkarni, and the guy before was Pete Olson, who claimed to stand with uh, <coughs> India and things like that. And then um, a few days ago, Sri Prasen Kulkarni was accused by uh, somebody saying, "Oh, you have links to the RSS." So some Muslim PSC refused to acknowledge. So then he comes out with a letter saying uh, saying all sorts of nonsense about NRC, CAA, and things like that, in a hope to get that um, uh, that uh, advocacy group to endorse him. And Pete also in the sitting s- says something about Hindu Nazis or some nonsense like that. So I mean, no,
1: because because the fact is that because the fact is that um, in America the. Hindu Americans as a Hindu, as Hindu, let me put it like this. Americans who consider their primary
0: group affiliation as Hindu is a very, very small minority. No, they are not even are concerned about hindu group about hindu issues i know so many i i, I know a few uh, people who who are republicans but then i know a few people who um, are democrats claim to stand for hindu issues but then when you know when it comes when it suits them they take a very middle of the line pro establishment uh, line, vis-a-vis the democrat party so that is also a problem i mean again one of the reasons why you had Bernie
1: sanders coming out so so strong would you'd, you'd, you'd kind of see the modulated response of the different, uh, of the different democratic candidates or rather democratic powerhouses to India. So I would say that of all the condemnations that came out on India over Kashmir, the most muted one was from, ironically, from Senator Harris. Senator Harris. (laughs) So so she was, so she was, so one of the things which I have said before is that, uh, that uh, our dear Kamala is actually not who she pretends to be. Yeah. So Kamala Harris pretends to be a progressive. She is not. I agree. She is definitely, she wears that progressive garb in order to get you know, to get approbation. If you look at her, if you look at her record, and I like love to point this out. So um, I stay in a county in, in Los Angeles County where if my daughter is uh, absent from school for three days, it doesn't matter if you have a doctor's note or anything. Then you get a formal letter from the school board. Wow. Okay. If you, there, you're allowed absence of, of 10 days a year. <laughs> if you go above that 10 days, officially you will get a citation
0: really?
1: from the school board. And then if you get two or multiple <coughs> citations, you could technically go to jail. I could technically go to jail for oh. truancy of my daughter. Guess yes. guess, who, guess who started this? Um, Senator so Kamala Harris. The
0: Attorney General so, of California,
1: right? Yeah, so Senator Kamala Harris, and she's proud of it. There's a, there's a video in which she's asked that, you know, you, you are the person who's, who started sending parents to jail because their kids weren't uh, showing up to school. And Kamala Harris has this smile, like, I'm a Desi, and yes, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they should go to jail if they don't go to school. Oh, so, goodness. you know, this is obviously out of sync with what progressiveness is. I mean, she sent, when she was Attorney General, she <coughs> sent, and that's what Tulsi Gabbard brought up, she sent hundreds and thousands of. African-Americans to jail and then she made them work in like the forced labor kind of thing. So she has, she is hardly who she claims she is. So even when you look at her Kashmir condemnation, it was very light. Somebody asked her about Kashmir and all she said was we're observing the situation, Mm -hmm. which means what? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Is that what it means? Oh God. I mean,
0: (laughs) what does that mean? Talk, talk, about, talk Burley, about who was like, talk about sly and sly and sly. But <laughs> when when Bernie was like totally, thing. totally con- total condemnation. A lot, a lot of Indian Americans who are not Democrats think, um, think about the Democrats, saying why, why are they ambivalent on Indian American issues and uh, uh, likewise, uh, why are the Republicans, you know, dangling the H1 issue as it's some, some sort of the election issue or something, right? It should be a straight up reform that nothing Trump has absolutely done nothing about when he's been in power for four years. So I, 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 yeah, you're right. I, I don't think there is one clear choice about Indian American issue, issue. I think it's really about what issue is the most passionate to them. So, and that's what they are uh, going. Certainly. So this is a point that I made in my podcast that when you talk about immigration,
1: Indian immigration, they see qualified engineers and doctors immigrating to India or oh, to US is an issue that is inimical to both Republicans and Democrats. So this is one, one thing. I mean, if you look at the green card, if you look at the green card waiting period, which is now 15 years, 20 years, if you're lucky, why and more than that, if you're lucky. So why is this the case? Why doesn't any administration do anything about it? And the reason for that is none of the administration, no party wants this to be fixed. And let me tell you why. Hmm. Besides, I mean, some people will say they don't want it to be fixed because H1B is their source of free labor. Blah, blah, blah. Leave that to the side. Hmm. Let's go to the fundamental tenets of both the parties. For Republicans, the only, I mean, Republicans is a white supremacist party. There is, I have no qualms in saying that. So for them, anybody who is not white and they want to come into the country is a foreigner and we won't let them come. So if this guy's coming from Ireland, he's perfectly fine. If he's coming from uh, Calcutta, he's not. So it's very simple for them, okay? So the Republicans are opposed to immigration. It's simple. Second reason they're opposed, that's secondary, is that many of their their, uh, supporters are people who have lost their jobs to Indian outsourcing. Of course, they don't understand that by restricting people from coming in, they're actually promoting outsourcing, but they're not smart enough to understand that. Anyway, so that's the thing. Democrats are a little bit trickier. Democrats love diversity, but they like people coming into the country only when they say we are coming into the country because our country sucks. They don't like confident migrants. They only like people who are fleeing persecution as they define it. Indians, the kind who come here, aren't fleeing persecution. Um, they're, They're economic migrants. And that is, again, inimical to the way Democrats think
0: of. No, also, no, Ideologically, the Indians who come here are more attuned to the values of the Republican Party. And I don't mean in terms of conservative, uh, social conservative. I'm talking about fiscal conservatism. In terms of businesses, in terms of taxation and stuff like that. They are not really uh, uh, leaning towards that. Their kids might be. And there is, therein lies the dichotomy as well, that the uh, the other part is that if, if these economic migrants do get right to vote, they might not really vote for the party of quote unquote, the progressive party. They might actually go towards the conservatives. Yes, so for, for a first generation Indian, when I say
1: first generation, I mean people who got their green cards or their voting rights here, yeah, but were originally born in India. Why do they vote? They vote like Democrats means more taxes, I won't get much from these taxes because they will all go to people who are making way less than me. So they're basically taking my money and giving it to other people. Ergo, I will vote Republican. Hmm. Right. That's the only thing that they consider. Now, when you have a second generation of American Indians who don't come from who don't think like that, they think on issues of racial justice because they are Americans, right? So they have grown up in school. I see my daughter growing up in school. Everything she learns is about racial justice, about martin luther king malcolm x you know she doesn't she doesn't that's what she's grown up with and i can see that you know that 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 thing about social justice and everything has been already built into her at in, in school which we didn't have i mean i don't think like her right because of the way i grew up but i can see that she will then grow up to be a she's a new citizen she will grow up to be a democrat i don't i can't see her ever becoming a republican hmm there's there's no reason she because she because actually when i've talked to her you know she's like slavery is terrible we have to do something <coughs> you know the effects of slavery still go on she's seven years old mm. so this has become a core part of her beliefs at this point of time things like who taxes me
0: more and stuff she's not even going to think on those lines right no true true and that's that's really how that's really what it is all about you know how, um, what, what how, how do we wade through these uh, these issues? But in conclusion, I think that's what uh, ultimately it is—that it is eventually going to morph into some sort of an issue-based support, but on legal immigration or something. like That I don't. There are going to be certain congressmen, certain senators who are going to be, uh, uh, you know, allies. But how it works remains to be seen. And right now, I know the, 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 the overarching thing is that, you know, maybe uh, um, uh, there is sort of some sort of an understanding between Prime Minister Modi and President Trump, but that also existed between him and President Obama. So, I think- India. This- no, I, I would say it's very
1: different. Let me, you know, I know we're over time, but since you brought this up, let me and, say my take on it. Uh, please. So, please. this is a little different with respect to Trump as with respect to other presidents. So with respect to any other administration other than Trump, the president has a very, the president has very little role or interest in foreign policy. It's mostly foreign policy is mostly, uh, you know, it's the uh, secretary of state. As yeah, the state of- secretary of state, sorry, whoever the, I thought not the Secretary of State, who does the foreign thing? What's the name of uh, is escaping me? And the State no, Department. No, no, you are right. It is the Secretary of State, but it's the State Department with all the understanding. The State Department Dep- which, which determines these things. And, and when the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, when they have these country-based caucuses, your support there is based on how much money you have spent as a country lobbying group on their election campaigns, the people who are part of that caucus. So it's a really, really expensive way of currying favor. With Trump, there's a very simple way of currying favor which Modi realizes, I don't have to get Republicans elected. I don't go have to suck up to people in different Senate races. All I need to do is pay Trump. I need to arrange a big event for him. I need to make him feel good. And that's all I need to do.
0: Hmm.
1: And that totally short circuits. Everything else, I don't have to do anything for the Republican Party because Trump doesn't understand Republican Democrats. He only understands him and people with the last name Trump. (laughs) Very desi thing. Very desi thing. Trump is a very desi politician, right? Uh My daughter, my son-in-law. We have seen this. You know, this is shocking for the Americans, but Uh in India, we have seen this. Uh We have had this family from independence. (laughs) <laughs> Damage, daughter, Ji, son, We have seen this. Two
0: sons. <laughs> we are still looking. I mean, look I'm at the te- Remind Pratav, of someone? family. I mean, <laughs> that Tejaswi Yadav or the guy who dresses up Tej Pratap. I forget who is. But yeah, the. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So yeah, you're right. And actually I think Prime Minister Modi played it quite smartly because uh, to quote Harvey Specter in Suits, you play the man, you don't play the case. And that's exactly what happened.
1: He's playing the man, exactly. He's playing the man and he's been
0: fairly successful at it, I would say. But personally, personally, I think, I I mean, you and I have seen him with President Obama as well. I think he got along very nice, very well with him. Two and a half years, I think. And they were, it was absolutely fine from May 2014 to. No, well, well, if Obama was the president and
1: Article 370 had been abrogated, you would have seen a much stronger react, official reaction from the U.S.
0: I don't think the so.
1: fact that maybe, maybe that's true. That is true. Okay. U.S. basically didn't say anything. I mean, that, that wouldn't have happened under any other administration, where the that, where yes. the American president doesn't say anything. Just
0: quiet and and one month after he shared a platform with Narendra Modi, so um, yeah it's ironically that ironic that we're talking about this because it's exactly one week to one year to howdi Modi. I was there on twenty second September last year, so <laughs> but uh, quite quite fascinating so <clears throat> before we get into closing and we always get into uh, uh, we, we didn't cover the topics like we talked, but we have more than an hour so uh, <laughs> And Arunabh has been very kind with his time, but we always have to end with our recommendations. right? So before I uh, go into that, one note, uh, uh, on a sad note that the uh, very celebrated singer, S.P. Balsov who had sung more than 40,000 songs in various languages passed away, he was here. Uh, uh, yeah. um, before we get into book recommendations and movie recommendations and anything, please go back and listen to whatever <laughs> song you like of him. He's sung in various languages, silken voice, very, very humble guy and um, a fascinating sort of singer. So, do uh, But yeah, Arnab, any recommendations you have? And were you a fan of SPB or not so much?
1: So, again, I haven't heard most of SPB's work outside uh, Hindi movies. So, you know, as somebody had tweeted and then got pilloried for it on Twitter, you know, he's the voice of Salman Khan. I mean, to be honest, that's, that's true for me also. And some songs like Gurdish. So, yeah. what I've heard of, you know, whatever my knowledge of SPD is, basically Hindi songs, that through 70% sung through the voice of Salman Khan. Hmm. Um, So of course, he had a very distinct voice. And I think that his voice kind of had a real connection with Salman Khan's actually, for some reason. I don't know if it was just because he sung so many songs for Salman Khan, but it just seemed natural coming from Salman Khan, that voice. In a way, I felt that Abhijit sounded natural for uh, Shah Rukh Khan at one point.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. So in terms of recommendation, um, there are two things that I would like to recommend. One is the book, I'm thinking of ending things.
0: Okay. Fascinating book.
1: So, so I don't know if you ever uh, there's a Netflix uh movie that came out by Charlie Kaufman uh called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. I have not seen it, no. So Charlie Kaufman is uh, he is considered to be like one of the greatest uh, script writers um, alive right. and like a, like a God of the art of film. But of course he makes movies, which very few people can understand when he directs it. Like he makes like absolutely the art house movies when he writes scripts. And some people have said that, you know, he should stick to writing scripts. He's a very good script writer, but when he makes movies, he just makes like, he makes a movie only for himself. You know. <laughs> um so um so one of his famous movies that I'm pretty sure everybody has seen, we might not know that he's a script writer and story writer is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh so he usually makes his usually he all of his movies, scripts, um, and uh being John Malkovich. That's the other famous movie that he's written. The script. So most of his movies are about the human consciousness about forgetting about remembering who we are. So that's really the theme that goes through most of his work. So this is again, not an original story. This is a novel. I've read the novel I'm yet to see because I don't want to see Charlie Kaufman (laughs) directing movies, but the book is brilliant. It's a, it's a brilliant book and it's a, it's a short book. So it's not going to take you a lot of time. Um, It's beautifully written. I mean, it's of course it, it has a, you know, the ending, if you have read a few of these books, you'll possibly make out what the ending is, but the way the atmosphere is built. Mm. And even when you kind of know where it's going, the way you arrive at the conclusion is very, very well done, I would say. And I've been reading some discussions and pretty much everybody who has read the book has said that the movie comes nowhere close to the impact that the book has. (laughs) Um, And the movie, if you haven't read the book, you won't even
0: Understand what's going on with the movie, which you is you the book to understand the movie, which is most adaptations. Of, yeah, but but talking about great scriptwriters making movie, I am really looking forward to Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of Chicago Seven on Netflix, which is coming out next. Ah,
1: by the way, I don't know if you've if you've heard if you've heard or listened. so one of my books is being made into a TV series.
0: Oh, congratulations, congratulations. I
1: was not aware of that, congratulations.
0: So they announced it. So they
1: had the formal announcement. So this is a streaming service called Hoi Choi, which is the number one streaming service in Bengal. It's a Bengali streaming service, very popular in Bengal and Bangladesh. Very nice.
0: um,
1: so they announced their next year's lineup. And so they are formally, and of course, they had bought, it, they bought the rights from me for a long time ago. Um, uh, but they formally announced Mahabharat Murders. Right. Yeah, and, and anyone who hasn't
0: read the book, I would recommend, please go ahead, read it. And um, before the series, like arnab said, in a very subtle manner, read the book first and only then watch the series.
1: <laughs> yes. So read again, if you're serious about it, do read the book. I have, so I have read the script. I have been told that the script has been changed. Firstly, one of the things for an author is once you sell the rights away to the book, you have no rights. Um, so you have, you have basically no one at that point of time, technically. Mm-hmm. If they want, they can of course, for you, their script and everything. And they normally do that out of cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have some minor comments, they may even accommodate you, but they have no right. You have no rights. Mm-hmm. So um, I've seen the script. The script is very well written. It was written by a guy called Shogato Basu, who's, who's actually, you know, making great leaps um, in, in the Bengali web uh, series world. So, he wrote this story called Tanshiner uh, Tanpura, which is for for Hoicho. and it's, it's 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 a very interesting uh, it's a very interesting concept. So it's like uh, Dan Brown books, except he uses Indian classical music as the way in which the secrets are being revealed. So there's a treasure hunt where the clues are written in terms of Indian classical music. Fascinating. And and this musical, this musical detective is basically following the clues. And of course, there is a sinister enemy. It's the same trope as any Dan Brown book. But uh, rather than Michelangelo's sculpture and paintings, it's Indian classical music. That's the difference.
0: Uh, and, and 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 we have a lot of Bandish Bandits fan, fans, fans who listen to the podcast. So here you have given them uh, more to chew and on. And this
1: came out before. And this came out by the way before Bandish Bandits.
0: Absolutely, so Bandish
1: Bandits came out two <laughs> months ago. So no doubt about it. Yeah, this is this is. So he's he's very good. This guy. He wrote the script. Um, again, I'll see when it comes out. The
0: the plans are huge, uh, but let's see those things. So Right I mean we'll have a discussion follow-up discussion as well on on this series specifically because I'm very curious to know and, and on the Bahabharata yeah, I can uh, uh, grill you with uh, questions about them because I have many, but usually whenever we dance we have so much cricket and movies to talk about and, and and you can you can imagine so interested we were in cricket that we spent an hour <laughs> talk about nineties movies that is always uh, very dangerous you know. <laughs> But, but my recommendation would be uh, watch this, obviously watch this trailer of Aaron Sorkin's book. Watch the superhero show, The Boys, the new season that has just come out on Amazon Prime. Very intriguing. Uh, I love boys, love boys. Fantastic, fantastic series and very intriguing. And the characters are so delightfully amazing. I mean, even the side characters, like the guy who plays Mother's Milk or Frenchie. I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and yeah. did, you, did you watch it's the latest crazy. episode where they find out how mother's milk gets strangled? It is, I, I, I don't want to repeat that on- sorry. Yeah, yeah, I did, yes. But it's, it's just his expression. It was just so ridiculously <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so so do, so do watch that. But before I let you go, Arnab, I have to ask you, how, what the hell was Film Companion doing writing a piece about Gunda and not talking about you? I, I
1: have no idea who
0: writes this stuff. Again,
1: as I said, this is Anupama Chopra's uh, you know, business. So what can I expect as Chetan Bhagat would say in uh, terms of giving credit?
0: So oh, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So expectations are low, but honestly, I don't think it's got nothing to do with her. I think it's just, it, it's, it's this sad thing that, you know, many people of a certain age think that Gunda started with, that kanan and, and and that guy's video they think that they are the guys and of course they they never cited any sources or they never said anything right so people feel that that is where it all started from they don't they have no idea that you know i actually talked to somebody who was writing a phd thesis on
0: Shah and bashir babbar exactly most of them will not even know who bashir babbar is you won't most of them do not know what they, they have
1: no idea as to the depth at which I know that movie and everything. And so they you it, know, it just goes to show that if it doesn't exist, if I don't if I haven't heard of it, it doesn't exist. And the fact is that in spite of me pointing this out, they chose not to update their piece and they after a few days, they retweeted it. Oh, really so this just goes. To show, so this just goes to show again, it just goes to show. Their standards and it speaks more to
0: them than it, I guess, it does to me. Ah, uh-huh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, it's quite ridiculous, uh, to honestly speaking. But uh, you know, and, and that's, that's that's sort of the tragedy of how all the, the film companion folks are and what the situation is there in. But uh, still, maybe we need to do in most that.
1: of the, most most of these most of the people who write about Bollywood have no idea of what Bollywood is.
0: Are they, Chopra, they
1: have zero idea. Chopra they Chopra think Chopra?
0: I have watched Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum. Yes. I have made some memes about it. I now know about Bollywood. Oh, but this is my favorite part, Arna. Anupama Chopra spoke five minutes or six minutes about how the film industry is being verified, blah, 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 and how it gives opportunities for the newcomers. And most of the movies she highlighted were uh, uh, Dharma Productions, Yashraj, Shah Khan, and then also Amir Khan's one or two movies. And I'm like, aren't you just proving their point? Like that, you this is all the move of all the movies you could have highlighted, these are the ones you chose. About like, why not talk about uh, you know, you, you grew up watching Bollywood, right? Why not talk about the seminal movies of the 90s? I mean, heck, you could have even talked about the Rajshri productions, but yeah, they're they're
1: they're too Hindu fundamentalist for them, uh, exactly, and, uh, and two, I, 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 two, I, I, two 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 parochial too patriarchal
0: regressive. Hence, you will never find their name taken. Yeah, I remember when Viva was a, a big hit, all of them were in such shock that how dare Viva become such a big hit when we panned it. Say,
1: no, I panned Viva also. I'm not saying that I was a great movie. I mean, but but <laughs> the fact is, I mean, even Karan Johar doesn't make great movies, but the fans with nah, the Bhajati... Is,
0: why, why, why is Viva bad and Kabhi Na are good? Or, or for that matter... <laughs> or for that matter something like a ravan i don't understand how viva was worse than a ravan or even a chennai express <laughs> so okay so, so we can have another conversation on
1: this but i am in the very minority of people who think ravan was a very good movie Are you it bap- was bap- just <laughs> executed poorly uh, no th- see ravan
0: yes, conceptually when i
1: had written when i had written a review of ravan people were shocked that in those days i used to write regular reviews and people think that, you know, I, I, I wait to like tear apart Shahrukh Khan movies, but, and I, and I had gone into seeing, when I went to see Rawan, I thought it was going to be crap because of all the, the trailers, I was convinced it was crap. But then when I saw it, I mean, of course there, is, of course it's crap in a way that it's crap, but it's not as big a turd ball as people think it is. There's a very good idea buried somewhere there. And I, I articulated what that good idea was and it made it was it was decent science fiction writing huh.
0: which normally
1: you wouldn't find in hindi movies you wouldn't find it in love story 2050 for instance oh my word. but but this one actually had uh, it had and again this would be too, it'd take too much time to go
0: into but this actually had some elements of good science fiction in it but but before we had some science fiction goods decent science fiction writing I saw in jL 50 that show with uh, Abhay Deol and uh, uh, Pankaj Kapoor that came on Sony live last two weeks ago. You, you should watch it and let me know what you think about it. I saw this science fiction thing, um, which was, I'm, no, oh my God, videos, I'm forgetting. Four episodes. This is like an aircraft disappears and it comes up 30 years later. And what, what really happened in, and there is a science fiction component to it. And of course there are many flaws and stuff and I'm not comparing to the American science fiction writing, but as a as one of the few first attempts at Indian television, it was, I think done. No, I saw, there's something which I can't remember, but I
1: saw this uh, science fiction movie, Indian in Netflix.
0: It had that guy from Death in the Goonj. Vikrant, um, no, 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 that is, that, is a, that is too slow, no, no, that is that uh, transition wala na, that uh, where they come and wipe your oh, memories out. Yeah, yeah, that like, the,
1: this was a movie which, like, I, I wouldn't say it's slow, there was no payoff at the end. Ha, it was, it was, it, there was, it <laughs> <just> <laughs> like So no. again, I was expecting, I was expecting higher. So one thing about Kanti Shah was that he would finish his movies when his, his reels would run out. <laughs> yes. So it didn't matter where it was in the story. If the reels ran out in those days, he was not shooting in digital. Remember, he was shooting in analog. So those things frigging cost a lot. Huh. So if the reel finished, he would just stop the movie.
0: Huh. He said,
1: budget ho gaya khatam. It didn't matter where it was. So that is okay for Kanti Shah. But you can't do a Netflix thing like that. Ah, exactly. So,
0: so no, but, but that's that. Vahi <laughs> But you should watch JL50 on Sony Live, and let me tell me how it is. Yeah, I think. And can I? How How do you get Sony Live? Do You have to get a subscription for it. So I have Sling, or usme if you have. I sling, have Sling too. Does it come with Sling? Comes for free with Sling. Yes. Okay, all right. So there are three decent shows: Andeki, uh, JL50, and another Avrod on the surgical strikes. Those three are good ones on Sony Live. You should watch them. Okay. So no with nice right. you a recommendation. But thank you so much, Arnuff. You you've been very generous. Thank you for me. having me. Are we we'll we'll, we'll we'll have this longer discussion on Ravan maybe soon. <laughs> so sure. thank you all for joining. Please do like us, like the stream, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We'll be back next week with more. And it's uh,